and welcome to She Thinks a Podcast, where you're allowed to think for yourself. I'm your host, Beverly Hallberg, and on today's episode, we look at the British monarchy and ask the ever-important question, should Americans care about the royal family? We're going to discuss a little bit about the reign of Elizabeth II and how a continual strong monarchy under King Charles may be helpful to American national security. And of course, we'd be remiss if we didn't dissect Prince Harry and Meghan just a little bit. We're going to look at their victim narrative and how the trend of demonizing tradition is pervasive and damaging to society. And joining us to break it all down is Niall Gardner. He is the director of the Margaret Thatcher Center for Freedom at the Heritage Foundation and a leading authority on Brexit. Before joining Heritage, Dr. Gardner served as a foreign policy aide to Lady Thatcher in her private office in London. He is a prominent expert on U.S.-British relations, U.S. foreign policy, and the transatlantic alliance. And he has testified several times before Congress on foreign policy issues. Finally, he may be a familiar face because he frequently provides analysis of global events for U.S. and international television networks. Niall, it is a pleasure to have you on She Thinks. It's great to be here. Thank you very much, uh, Beverly. And I have been following, first of all, we know each other. We've known each other for a while, but I've been following you very closely on Twitter and on TV as the whole Prince Harry and Meghan saga has unfolded before all our eyes, whether or not we wanted to see it. We are going to touch on them later in the episode today, but I wanted to start and just focus on the British monarchy itself. I have found it to be a really interesting time how many people are invested in learning more about the royal family. Personally, I've never been that invested until this whole saga continued as of late, all the drama. And so I thought it'd be important for us as Americans that broke away from the Brits um, years ago, talk about the British monarchy and whether or not there is value in us wanting it to be strong. So just the basic broad question that you can take it where you want it. Should Americans care about the monarchy? Well, that's a, that's a great question, uh, Beverly. And certainly in my view, um, Americans should care about the, the British monarchy. And opinion polls show that actually the, the British monarchy is, in fact, uh, uh, rather popular, actually, with the American public. And the Queen, the late Queen, for example, um, was uh, an extraordinarily popular uh, figure here in the United States. In fact, I think her approval ratings over the course of many decades, um, polled by Gallup, was generally around 70% or higher. Uh, And she was even more popular than uh, Barack Obama when he was president of the United States, uh, as an example. Uh, And she has been consistently popular, I I think, uh, uh, more popular than than the vast majority of US uh, presidents. And so I think Americans do care about the, uh, the British monarchy. And the reason why is that the monarchy really represents I think, uh, tradition. It represents heritage. Um, It represents, I think, in many ways, uh, the US-UK special relationship, the beating heart of the the free world. And so a strong British monarchy, I think, is good for for America. Uh, And the vast majority of Americans, I think, really do do have a positive view overall uh, of the British monarchy. And as I mentioned, the the late Queen was was a hugely... uh, popular figure for the American people. And when she passed away, uh, of course, there was a great amount of mourning uh, among uh, the American people. Flags were flown at half-masts across the United States. uh, And tens of millions of people actually watched the the funeral of Queen Elizabeth II on on US TV. And so this was a big event for for the American people. And it demonstrates, I think, the tremendous uh, affinity that many Americans have with, with Great Britain, with the British people, 
uh, and and the Queen, I think, was a dearly loved uh, leader on both sides of the of the Atlantic, actually, and that that says a great deal about the strength of the ties that bind the United States and the United Kingdom. One of the things I thought was so fascinating. Um when she did pass and all of the tributes to her was seeing those photos of her with all the past U.S. presidents, how many of them she outlived, obviously her very long reign. It was just astonishing to see. And and something that I think epitomizes her reign is this word duty. She had a duty. She felt that it was what she was called to do. And I think many of us admire that. And I think what's been surprising just by her grandson attacking the family, attacking her by default, even if he doesn't attack her directly, is here is this female, this young female from decades ago that was able to do this. There's also, of course, been female prime ministers in Britain. And so if we want to talk about victim status, women often didn't hold these types of offices. And I actually think England or the UK has been leading the way for women to be leaders. And that's why I find some of the attacks really so um, ironic and hypocritical. Yeah, that's that's an excellent uh, point here. And uh, it is uh, worth noting, of course, that the United Kingdom has already had three women uh, prime ministers, starting with Margaret Thatcher, then later uh, Theresa May, um, and uh, and then, of course, Liz Truss. And so, so the UK has led the way in, in many ways in terms of leadership by, uh, by strong uh, conservative uh, women. Uh, and you mentioned uh, the relentless attacks from uh, Prince Harry that we've seen against the British uh, monarchy. Uh, I think there's been a, a tre- tremendous backlash against both Harry and Meghan on both sides of the Atlantic, and, and both figures have plummeted in terms of overall popularity in the UK, but also here in, in the United States. Uh, and and I, I think the the campaign, the nefarious and vicious campaign against the monarchy waged by Harry and Meghan uh, has been a big flop. It's been a big disaster, really. Uh, and uh, on both sides of the Atlantic, I think the American British people are are united, actually, in rejecting uh, the nastiness uh, from uh, the Harry and Meghan uh, camp. And and I, I do think that it's a very destructive agenda that they have put forward. Um, and uh, and I, I think the the monarchy remains, of course, extremely extremely strong. Uh, and and Queen Elizabeth was an absolutely phenomenal leader over the course of many, many decades, uh, the longest serving uh, monarch. Uh, and she was somebody who really exemplified the, the spirit of the British, of the British nation. And I think that Americans uh, tremendously respect that, actually. Uh, and I think Americans are overwhelmingly rejecting the negative message coming from uh, Harry and Meghan, the, the Duke and Su- uh, Duchess of Sussex. Uh, they are now pariahs in the UK and increasingly unpopular in America as well. And I want to unpack one of the accusations made against Queen Elizabeth II, something that we heard um, leading up into her her death and then her death itself. And that is, of course, attaching her to the British Empire and this word colonization, which is talked about in very negative terms. Can you talk about not just her reign within um, Britain itself, but also all the different countries and territories across the world and how one should view her time running this empire? Well, Queen Elizabeth II, of course, was was absolutely um, instrumental uh, in terms of the establishment of what is what is known today as the Commonwealth of Nations, which has fifty six countries. Most of them are former um, parts of the British Empire. Uh, a few countries are not, 
but most have a historic connection to the United Kingdom. And, and the Queen's role was absolutely pivotal in terms of um, making the Commonwealth of Nations, formerly the British Commonwealth, uh, a tremendous force on, on the world stage. In fact, there are over two billion people who live within the, the Commonwealth. Uh, that, of course, includes India as well, but also includes uh, countries such as Australia, Canada uh, and New Zealand. Uh, and the fact that the Commonwealth is so strong today is a testament not only to the, the Queen's tremendous leadership, but also to the, the great affinity that these countries still uh, have with, with the United Kingdom. Uh, and, uh, and the British Empire, in, in my view, which, which led to the, the Commonwealth of Nations today, uh, was overall a great, uh, a great force for good on, on the world stage. Um, and, and I think that the British legacy across the world uh, has been uh, overall a very, very uh, positive one. Um, and you do see the, the woke uh, left here in the United States, but also in Britain and in many parts of the world, uh, attacking uh, the British legacy. Uh, they, they attack the British Empire, of course, on multiple uh, fronts. Um, but the, the British Empire ultimately uh, has resulted today in, uh, in this tremendously successful uh, group of nations known as the Commonwealth of Nations. The Queen, of course, played a lead role in the establishment of that. Uh, but the, the monarchy really, in essence, represents history, uh, tradition, but also uh, British leadership as well on, on, on the world stage. Uh, and it is significant that those who are attacking the, uh, the monarchy, especially uh, on the left in the United States, are those who like to attra- attack uh, tradition, history. Uh, they, they often have a deeply both anti-British and anti-American approach as well. And at the end of the day, the United States and the United Kingdom are united through their common heritage and, and history. Uh, the United States, of course, rightly fought a war of, of independence, uh, which uh, well, the American people fought a war of independence resulting in the United States of America. And that, of course, uh, has been a great development for the world. The United States leads the free world uh, today, uh, and Britain stands shoulder to shoulder with the United States. And so the US and British people are united together uh, we have a common history and, and heritage and, and culture. That is something to be tremendously uh, celebrated. Uh, and and I, I think it's significant that the, uh, the, the woke left are strongly targeting the British monarchy today because they, they know it does represent, uh, I think, all of the, the values, the, the tradition, the history that they, that they oppose and they, they despise. Uh, but the monarchy is actually growing stronger today than, than it ever has been, and I, I think. Uh, and, and I think the, the woke campaign is not is not succeeding in any way. So let me talk a little bit about the woke campaign. What is it about tradition that is so threatening to that agenda? Yeah, that that's a that's a really good uh, that's a really good question. Um, I think you know I think the British monarchy represents in essence uh, continuity. It represents traditional uh, values. Uh, it is, I think, one of the most important institutions in the Western uh, world. Uh, and, and I think that, you know, the British monarchy uh, represents, um, I think, the, the tremendous history of, of Great Britain as a, as a, uh, as a world-leading uh, nation. And so, so the left absolutely hate that, just as they hate the idea of America leading in the world uh, today. And so the woke left try to tear down both Great Britain and, and the United States, and they, they see certainly the uh, the british monarchy <coughs> excuse me as 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 a big part um of their of their their target list actually and so 
So I, I think it's very important that we, we do defeat the nefarious agenda of the woke left. And, and let's now move a little bit to Prince Harry and Meghan, and, and you've mentioned them already. I, <laughs> at one place I want to start, because of, of course I have watched their documentary. I've not read the book or listened to the audio um, book. I've heard enough excerpts and seen enough excerpts to not want to read his book. But I found it fascinating during the documentary that they talked about Brexit throughout it. And you were somebody who was leading the charge on Brexit. What did you make of that connection? Why are they making it? It's not a correct connection, but can you just expand on that just a little bit? Uh, yes. As, as you point out, Beverly, I was a big supporter of, of Brexit. I worked for, for Lady Thatcher, who in many ways, uh, I think, was the first Brexiteer. In fact, her 2002 book, uh, Statecraft, laid the foundations of, of Brexit, and she was the first British uh, leader to call for the UK to think about leaving the EU. And that was uh, actually 14 years ahead of the Brexit referendum in 2016. Now, Meghan and Harry, of course, have launched multiple attacks on Britain. But one of the areas that, uh, you know, Harry has, um, you know, focused on has been has been Brexit. And clearly, uh, Harry is not a not a fan of, of Brexit. Um, after all, uh, I would describe uh, Prince Harry as a sort of quintessential uh, left-wing, you know, woke uh, globalists in his in his overall outlook, and so Brexit is all about sovereignty and self-determination, uh, and and Brexit, of course, has been strongly driven by British uh, conservatives, and so Brexit stands for, I think, in many ways, what Harry does not does not believe in, um, and and Harry uh, is is somebody who, I think, advances as Meghan does a very sort of left-wing ideological. Um, agenda, actually. So, so Brexit is clearly not his cup of tea. Um, and I, I would, I would add that Harry and Meghan are increasingly political figures. They're political activists. Uh, they give political style speeches. Uh, they make political points. And so, their campaign against the British monarchy is not just out of sheer spite, uh, but it's also, I think, a result of, uh, you know, I think a sort of political agenda here. They are both. Uh, left-wing woke ideologues in, in many ways, and Brexit, of course, is the antithesis of what they of what they believe in. Uh, I, I should add as well that Brexit is the the democratic will of the British people. The British people voted in 2016 to leave uh, the EU, uh, and Prince Harry should respect that democratic uh, decision. Uh, but undoubtedly, Harry has a political agenda, as has uh, as does Meghan as well. They should be viewed as political figures who are using as well the royal titles, the Duke and Duchess of Sussex, for political purposes and also to personally enrich themselves as well. And this is all about making money also for Harry and Meghan. And there's a money-making venture that Prince Harry does have that's that's newer. I think it's on Monday that it is released, but he's going to be doing a, a live webcast of him getting therapy and talking through his mental illness, which mm. you can pay for if you want to see. And that, yeah. that is yeah. odd on so many different levels. Um, I yes. don't think it's healthy for him. I don't think yeah. it's for healthy for other people. Uh, it's yeah. not something that, that you, you should be selling, but I'm curious why there seemed to be such change in public opinion on him mm. when the book came out. So I yeah. think yeah. when the documentary came out there, there were enough people who viewed that positively, uh, yeah. But the book seemed to tip the scales. What was it about his book Spare that seemed to really plummet their their approval ratings? Yeah, I, I think um, 
in addition to Spare, of course, the Netflix documentary that Harry and Meghan launched back in November, which they were reportedly paid uh, upwards of $100 million for, actually. Um, I, I think this was the um, this was also a key catalyst in terms of turning the public against them because the Netflix documentary was not only incredibly boring um, and remarkably dull, uh, but it was also a direct attack on, on uh, Harry's own family. It was nasty stuff, actually. Uh, and that followed on from the, uh, the Oprah Winfrey interview as well, which was also unpleasant and nasty. Um, and then you had Harry's book, Spare, uh, which came out earlier this year. And reportedly, Harry's been paid uh, $20 million as part of a bigger uh, book deal, which may include uh, Meghan possibly writing a book as well. Um, and, and Harry, I think, really upset the British public because it was just a litany of attacks upon his own family. No one was spared of, of criticism in Harry's book, uh, from the king uh, through to uh, uh, Kate Middleton, through to, um, through to Prince William, um, Camilla, of course. Every, everybody gets targeted by Harry in this book. It's, it's a very nasty piece of work. Uh, and in my view, it's full of uh, you know, salacious lies and disinformation, uh, which, uh, of course, is, have been strongly refuted by uh, the royal family, um, and uh, this is a, I think it's one of the most deeply unpleasant books of, of, of the modern era, really. Um, it's also, uh, I have to say, very badly written. Um, and um, it is it's, it's full of, you know, uh, I, I think, um, vicious, vicious lies, frankly, is what it is. And so the British public don't like these sorts of nefarious attacks upon, upon the royals. And so they've turned hugely against Harry. Uh, and in the United States as well, I think Harry's approval ratings fallen by 48 percentage points since the publication of the book. Uh, Megan's has gone down by 40 percent, but she was already at a very low level. Um, and so uh, I have to say that you know, Harry's made a lot of money out of this book, but his reputation has absolutely uh, plummeted. Um, and on both sides of the Atlantic, I think there's been a huge reaction against this. Um, and Harry just comes across as a very narcissistic, um, unpleasant character, uh, actually. And, and Harry used to be a very popular figure in the UK, hugely popular. Uh, and now I think if Harry and Meghan, you know, showed up at the coronation uh, on May 6th, uh, they would probably be booed, actually, by a lot of the public. So um, it's not clear whether they will be attending, but if they do attend, they will probably receive a very negative reception on the streets. It's really been astonishing to see how they have let all of this unfold. I think that there is an inherent wrong that we all see when one attacks one's family so publicly and they don't have a chance to defend themselves. Yes. I mean, people could say, sure, the royal family could defend themselves. But personally, I think their silence has been speaking volumes. So I think they've, they've yeah. handled this correctly. But I think all of us could look at family squabbles that we've had we know it's there and there's just something inherently wrong about selling those stories to your family members but yeah. there's another side to this well that i i've continued to think about this attack against the monarchy itself it's and really it's twofold it's his personal grievance against his family and then what he views as the firm the institution that he has an issue yeah. with but the British people like the monarchy. This is something yeah. they want. So he's attacking the British people as well. And I was even thinking about this from an economic standpoint. And this is my question to you. If by chance 
the British monarchy went away, let's say it became deeply unpopular. I don't think this is going to happen. But what would that do to tourism? What would that do to the economy? What would that do to the British people financially if the monarchy went away? Now, I know taxes do go to them, but there's so much built on tourism around the monarchy, correct? Yeah, that, that's a very interesting question. I think, firstly, um, the monarchy, I, I think, will be with us for a very long time, um, hundreds and hundreds of years, I, I think, more um, at least. And, and I think, um, you know, possibly even thousands. I mean, who, who knows what the future of the monarchy will be? But I, I think that the, the royal monarchy will be, um, uh, you know, the heart of the United Kingdom for many centuries to come. Um, I, I, I would I would say that if, if the monarchy were to be... Uh, uh, removed, um, and if, if, for example, you had some far left wing, you know, British government that decided to try and bring down the monarchy, uh, for example, um, and you couldn't rule that out in the future, actually, uh, frankly. But if if you had that kind of scenario, um, I think it would be disastrous for the for the British economy if if the royal family were ever to be uh, to be removed. Um, after all, the royal family, you know, brings in uh, through. Uh, through tourism, as you pointed out, I mean, vast sums of of money for for the British uh, for the British economy. I mean, you know, potentially, uh, if not hundreds of millions, even billions of of pounds actually for for the United Kingdom in terms of of revenue. And and the royal family is 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 part and parcel of the British identity. If you remove the royal family, I think it fundamentally undermines what Britain is. Uh, and and I think that's a big disincentive for many people to visit the United Kingdom. Uh, so so they, they they draw in actually. In terms of money raised through uh, visitors to the United Kingdom, far more than they receive uh, in taxpayer money. And, and in fact, I mean, I, I would say the royal, royal family uh, really adds, adds tremendously uh, to to the British economy in in every in every respect. Uh, and uh, um, and so I, I don't believe the royal family will be will be threatened uh, at all. Uh, in in the next few few decades and and or even the next few centuries actually, well, I think the British monarchy is here is here to stay. There are figures on the left, of course, in the UK who want to get rid of the monarchy, but they're a small minority. And opinion polls show that the, mon- the royal family is supported by over seventy percent of the British population. That hasn't really changed much over the course of many many decades. And so the anti-monarchy side has not actually grown in strength at all um, o- over the course of, of the last half century. Where do you think this saga with Harry and Meghan goes from here? I mean, I have a prediction that first I was, I was semi surprised about the invitation for for them to come to the coronation, but then thinking back on it, it actually yes. looks very gracious on behalf of the king. And like you said, if they do show up, the public will boo them. So they're they're they can't claim that they're being excluded, and now it's up to yeah. them about whether or not they want to face that. So so I actually think that. That was a, a brilliant strategic move. What do you think Harry and Meghan's next move is? My my calculation is she's looked she's looked at what this book has done, what it's done to their popularity, and she doesn't write a book anytime soon. That maybe they lay low for a while, um, and some of their plans to roll out the next yeah. iteration of Grievance may stop for the time being. But any thoughts on that? Yeah, great, great questions. Really, uh, you know, I think uh, you know, firstly, in terms of the invitation to attend the coronation. Uh, King Charles, as, as a father, naturally wanted to include uh, his son Harry in, in the coronation. That's that's the king's decision. I think there are certain risks involved in that, not least that if Harry and Meghan attend, they will seek to turn it into 
uh, you know, series two of the Netflix documentary, and, and they, they may may seek to to really gain a lot of of uh, you know additional coverage and publicity. They, they will use the coronation for their own end. So th- th- there are risks here, but certainly King Charles is a big-hearted person, and you know he wanted to include his uh, certainly his son uh, in in the, in the coronation. So I believe they have been invited for the coronation. They have not yet responded. Um, and if they certainly if they don't attend the coronation, I think that probably would be for the best. Uh, I think for everyone concerned, you know, if they don't attend. Uh, but we'll have to see what uh, you know what actually happens. It's significant that actually Meghan has kept a very low profile since the publication of Spare, uh, and I think a key reason for that is that Spare has been um, a massive PR disaster for Harry. Uh, and Harry has become a very, very uh, disliked figure as a result. So I, I think Meghan is trying to avoid some of the fallout from that, which is why she's not out there on, on the book tour and everything. Um, and she's been very quiet. Um, now, having said that, of course, the South Park parody, um, which targeted Harry and Meghan, while well, not naming them specifically, but everyone knows who they're targeting, uh, that, that I think has been devastatingly damaging to both Harry and Meghan. Uh, and that has really hurt their, their their image and has turned them into figures of fun and, and mockery. Uh, as as for what they're going to do next, um, I, I expect that uh, Meghan uh, is no doubt planning to to write her own, you know, memoirs. Of course, she hasn't achieved very much, but uh, she will still uh, be uh, undoubtedly um, seeking to. Uh, to publish uh, her own her own memoir, um, and uh, despite a track record of, of basically achieving, you know, absolutely nothing, um, so she she is somebody who uh, will always seek the limelight. Harry and Meghan are immensely narcissistic individuals, uh, and so I'm sure she'll be back on TV screens quite quite soon. And certainly, my concern is that they will try and use the coronation as a big publicity exercise. Um, they are constantly trying to present themselves as victims of the monarchy, uh, victims of, of the British press, victims of, of the British people. Um, and they'll probably start whinging about Americans not liking the next. I, I suspect they're going to start claiming they're victims of, of the American media and, and uh, the American people as well. And, and uh, so there is no end to the victimhood, the victim mentality of these two individuals. So uh, I think we can expect them to be back in a major way on television screens jointly uh, after, after a few months. And, and maybe they're planning another Oprah interview or another Netflix documentary. Uh, but they'll be never far away from the limelight. But they've taken a big hit recently with the backlash against Spare. And the South Park um, episode, which I watched in its entirety, is devastating. And it's devastating because it's actually very accurate in terms of portraying the narcissism and the the constant whining of of Meghan and Harry. So it's it's actually devastatingly good (laughs) in terms of its... uh, and I, I think it actually did yeah. capture my mentality as well, which was there is a scene talking about 
say, just stop talking about them. And he's like, I can't, I can't, they're everywhere, which which is where I am on this. But I do think that there is a a larger reason why I've been fascinated with this, not because of the royal family. And of course, that's an added element. But it's where do we go as a society with the victimhood mentality? Are people going to adhere to it and look at them and see them as perpetual victims? Or is there a point where people say, come on, like be an overcomer, even if you think you've been wrong, give up. So to me, it's been interesting because where are young people going to fall on this idea that there are grievances wherever we go? And so I I think that still remains to be seen. And and that's a reason to follow up. But my final question for you is looking forward to this coronation. I believe it's May 6th is when the coronation is. How, what does King Charles need to do as king? What are you hoping to know that he is definitely a little bit too closely attached to the green agenda uh, for, yeah. for my liking, but what can we expect from him? Yeah, that, that, that is a very interesting point because um, Charles is very different to um, uh, his mother. Um, and, and I think, you know, the queen, of course, kept, uh, the late queen kept out of politics uh, completely. Uh, Charles has a track record of comments on environmental issues. He's spoken out on refugee immigration matters in the past when he was when he was Prince Charles, um, and so he has to be very very careful not to get involved in political matters because I think one of the reasons why the the monarchy is so successful is that it's kept out of politics altogether. And so Charles has to resist the temptation to to weigh in on political matters because that will only, uh, you know, I think undermine the monarchy rather than, you know, rather than strengthen it. Um, and I think uh, uh, Camilla, the Queen Consort, who will actually officially become Queen um, as well, she has a bit more leeway to weigh in on some matters. In fact, she has uh, she recently uh, made remarks. Um, attacking the censorship of books. Uh, so Roald Dahl, a famous British author, has had his books edited and censored uh, recently by, uh, by um, uh, after a campaign on the, on, on the left. And so Camilla actually spoke out against that. And I think her intervention was, was good, actually, in the sense that she has more leeway to speak on things. And she, she was basically just defending the principle of freedom of speech, which is sacrosanct in the United Kingdom. Um, and so, uh, actually, some of Camilla's interventions have been have been very positive. I do think the king, though, has to be very careful not to be speaking out on environmental issues, for example. Uh, th- this will this will only undermine his his position. Um, I think the king is so far off to a, a, a strong start. He used to be uh, far less popular than than the queen, but I think he's growing in in popularity with the British public. There's a lot of goodwill towards uh, King Charles, and so. Um, I think that the coronation is is very important symbolically for for the king, uh, and I think the British people uh, have rallied around uh, around the king, and and I expect he will be, um, you know, be a strong and effective king. He will be succeeded ultimately by Prince William, who who I think will be a, a magnificent leader for for the United Kingdom. I think William is is somebody who has demonstrated a tremendous heart of service for the British people, uh, and and Kate. Uh, has has been absolutely wonderful as well. So I think the future is in very very good hands, uh, and and I think it will be a successful reign for, for King Charles III. Uh, and I think that uh, the future will for the monarchy looks very bright with uh, with William and Kate, the Prince and Princess of Wales, 
I think they will be fantastic leaders for the United Kingdom. So I'm very positive and optimistic about the future of the monarchy. What about the titles for Harry, Meghan, and also yeah. their children? What do you think yeah. of that? You know, that, that's, that's, that? That's an important issue, really, because um, Harry and Meghan uh, still retain the title of Duke and Duchess of Sussex, which I think is outrageous. They're, they're no longer working royals. They don't contribute anything to the monarchy. Uh, they trade off their titles to generate uh, their own personal wealth. They're making a lot of money, frankly, off the fact that they are the Duke and Duchess of Sussex. If they were not members of the royal family, I don't think anyone would care what they have to say at all, really. Uh, and th they, they would be individuals uh, without any um, any real status. Uh, and uh, and I, I would say no one would pay much attention to them if they were actually uh, exiled from the royal family. Uh, my advice for the royals has always been uh, remove the titles of the Duke and Duchess of Sussex. They, they do not deserve to be carrying those titles. They do nothing for the royal family. They do everything they can to undermine the royal family, attack the royal family. So I do hope that their royal titles will be removed as, as swiftly as possible. But um, the king has not shown any inclination to do that. And so we'll have to see what happens. I think things will have to get a lot worse uh, for the king to go down that, that path. But... Uh, in my view, they are two immensely destructive, selfish and narcissistic individuals who have an agenda, political agenda, uh, which is to uh, undermine, even potentially try and destroy the monarchy, while, of course, earning as much money as they possibly can from carrying those royal titles. So have those titles taken away, deny them the air of, of publicity that they have as members of the royal family, and they will, they will certainly, I think, uh, fade away uh, as... as uh, you know, uh, figures of, of public attention. So, so I do hope that they, they lose those, those titles as soon as possible. Final question for you. Do the Brits blame Americans for Megan? <laughs> yeah, you know, that, that, that's a great question. I don't think they do, actually. You know, um, I don't get any sense of that. Uh, and uh, also there's a recognition in Britain that, you know, Megan represents a certain kind of left-wing liberal elite, in the United States, uh, in terms of her her overall uh, approach and her views, and I think there is an understanding that most Americans are actually fed up of Harry and Meghan. So, you know, I think the British the British people share the same sentiments as the American people. So I don't think this has resulted in any anti-American sentiment in Britain uh, as a result. Perhaps of it's Meghan's. bringing us all together. <laughs> you, you know, actually, that's a great point, Beverly, because I, I think that the British and American people. Have are united in their rejection of the Harry Meghan agenda. It's brought uh, the Americans and the Brits uh, closer together, ironically. Uh, and I do think that Harry and Meghan are increasingly isolated in their mansion in Montecito. Um, and uh, they, they are celebrated by a small, narrow liberal elite in the United States. But And opinion polls show this. The vast majority of Americans, I think, really have had just had enough of, of Meghan and Harry. And they certainly think that Meghan does not speak for them. Um, and if anything, their campaign of hate towards the royal family has brought the British and the American people closer together. 
Well, as we were talking about, I think it's much more than what uh, this means for this specific family, what it means for the monarchy, but it's also what it represents about victim narrative. And also, like you were saying, the elite and how they view other people and how they view their own grievances. So I think that's why it's an important story to follow. And my hope is that uh, Western countries do reject this mentality and, and do ridicule people rightly for this mentality and let people focus on overcoming whatever they view as a a past harm against them. And that's the best way to proceed. So now Gardner, like I said, it's been wonderful to follow you on Twitter during this whole season of Harry and Meghan. And thank you for coming on and telling us a little bit more about the monarchy and why Americans should care about why it matters to national security. We so appreciate it. Niall Gardner with the Heritage Foundation. My pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank and you. thank you all for joining us. Before you go, Independent Women's Forum does want you to know that we rely on the generosity of supporters like you. An investment in IWF fuels our efforts to enhance freedom, opportunity, and well-being for all Americans. So please consider making a small donation to IWF by visiting IWF.org backslash donate. That's IWF.org backslash donate. Last, if you enjoyed this episode of She Thinks, do leave us a rating or a review. It does help. And we'd love it if you shared this episode so your friends can know where they can find more She Thinks. From all of us here at Independent Women's Forum, thanks for watching.